Welcome to the April 2023 episode of the Presale Pulse trending topic, a real estate show dedicated to the hottest intelligence in real estate in this very moment. I'm Brittany Reimer, and I'm thrilled to be joined by none other than Susana Gonzalez, real estate prodigy. <laughs> oh, thank you for you know continuing the the trend and like creating a name for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know who's not here though? Ryan Alant. We're missing some. I heard you fired him. I did ten minutes ago. Yeah. He was getting way too high maintenance, yeah. um, so we had to kick him out. That doesn't surprise me. Well, Suze, what's on the agenda for today? Well, Britt, our regular reels know that we can get pretty opinionated sometimes, particularly on government policy in our industry. The challenges and problems we face are real and important, and sometimes the government gets it right, and sometimes they don't. But no matter how well intended, they also frequently miss the mark. Today, we're discussing a couple of recent changes that have been enacted and how they will impact our industry and whether we feel the government is on the right track or not. Mm -hmm. So first up, last month, the BC Financial Authority, BCFSA, as many of you know, introduced a series of amendments to the BC Real Estate Marketing Act. Um, now, this covers how developers actually can market and sell their product. The change with the most visible impact is uh, on the early project marketing rules. As we know, uh, developers are now able to begin marketing at an earlier stage. Now, previously, they had to wait until the fourth reading um, until they could actually start sales, whereas now we can actually start sales um, in the third reading. Yeah, I think in general, we're, uh, and most of our partners are welcoming this change. Most people know that the current development process is a marathon, and this could shorten that life cycle just a little bit. Projects could potentially start marketing four, six, or even eight months earlier. For our clients, it can potentially reduce financial exposure as well. Developers may pay, uh, developers pay large municipal fees over the course of their application. This is often in the millions of dollars, all before beginning sales, before knowing how they will perform. Yeah, I mean, so much weight, so much risk on those development partners, and really just coming down to the wire. This, this rule in the past has been a a real kind of deal breaker for us, right? Like we've had programs that have been ready to go, ready to come to market, waiting on that final adoption and delay and delay and delay. And depending on what the market is doing, that could really be a make or break um, on, on some particular programs. Absolutely. We'd certainly, I would have liked that opportunity last summer when we knew the market was going in the wrong direction. Um, so now uh, it gives us a little bit more certainty. We can plan ahead a little bit more. You know, sometimes even, even just the difference of a couple of weeks. Um, if you're doing outreach and you're lining up buyers and suddenly you have to wait a month for that next council meeting because you got pushed, uh, that can really kind of change things for our teams. And so being able to have a little bit more certainty, I think is a real benefit. Uh, being able to get some pre-sales before uh, paying those fees for our clients, I think is definitely a benefit. Um, and, uh, and so there's a real, I think, strategy attached to it now. Um, there are probably a couple of risks, though. Yeah, I mean, on the flip side of that, I've had a number of conversations over the last few weeks with our development partners, many saying, I'm not doing that. I'm still waiting for my final. There's still a lot of risk from third to final, and it's just not worth taking. Um, so many choosing to go and opting to go that direction. But, you know, for the ones that maybe you're quite familiar with a particular city, they know they've got the ins and outs within the, the municipality. Um, they feel confident that they can push things through in a, a certain amount of time. I think for those that feel comfortable, this is a really great way to kind of jump the gun potentially and start to time um, and be a little bit more fluid with your timing and market, right? You're not waiting on an agenda. You're not waiting on that final. And so you, you've got your marketing assets ready to go. And really just, it's a matter of like, 
is today the right time? So I think the benefits are there, but the, of course comes with, um, you know, as all government policy does, some disadvantages. Yeah, I think uh, for our clients, obviously their confidence level in in getting that fourth uh, adoption, that fourth reading adoption is going to be critical. Um, and as well, we know that that time clock for getting their pre-sale target and getting their financing is also still running. So as soon as they start early marketing, we start writing contracts, that 12-month time period, uh, that clock starts ticking. Um, and so that's a, a good consideration as well. Uh, I think on that note, let's maybe move to our next topic. Yeah, another government policy. Shocker. So moving into our next topic, uh, we want to revisit this foreign buyers ban. But we talked about this policy on our channel when it was first introduced. What's with the new amendments? Well, to put it in two words, unforeseen consequences. <laughs> that sums it up. Is there any more to be said? Um, the aim of the foreign buyers ban is, of course, to make housing more affordable for Canadians by restricting foreign competition. Now, the irony is that parts of that legislation actually negatively impact the housing development and upcoming supply, which in turn harms affordability. Suze, I know you love this topic. <laughs> yeah, development is costly, especially in Vancouver. We know that. To make it happen, a lot of devel developers here have partial or full backing from foreign capital, a lot of it from the U.S. Um, and other places. So under previous wording, the foreign buyers ban disqualified these foreign developers or stakeholders from participating in development. Yeah, I mean, the reality here is like we really shouldn't be looking to dampen new construction. Um, rather, the opposite, actually. Um, we've been talking about this has been such a hot topic for so long. Um, the new changes mean that this ban no longer applies to vacant land zoned for residential mixed use. So it can also mean that non-Canadians will be allowed to buy residential property if it's expressly for the purpose of uh, new housing development, bringing much needed housing supply into our marketplace. Yeah, importantly, these changes apply to companies formed in Canada, but with majority foreign stakeholders. They've also increased the threshold for which a company is judged to be foreign controlled or not. Companies can now have up to 10%, up from 3% of foreign interest before being considered a foreign controlled entity. And what do you think the impact of that will be on the ground, Britt? Well, I can tell you the impact of this has been um, a lot of things for us as a as a sales agency and as a brokerage. Um, the impact has been, you know, uncertainty around contracts, you know, how we build some of the, this new legislation into our contracts for our, our purchasers that are coming into our sales galleries. Um, the other challenge is, you know, you talk to one legal expert and you talk to another and the interpretation of this legislation is different on both sides. Some believe that you know, you need to be a, um, a, um, a resident at the time of purchase and the time of completion. Well, in our line of business, you know, we know that there can be three or four years between the time somebody actually purchases and the time they complete. So, you know, does this mean that they have to be at the time and at completion? And, you know, it really makes it quite complex for us. And as they continue to pivot and as, you know, these, these amendments start to happen to this legislation every single time, you know, we have to turn it over and, and understand, like, how does this impact us, right, on the agency side? And how does this impact our consultants on the sales floor? Yeah, the, the paperwork, the policies, the interpretation, I mean, all of that, uh, of course, is a, a hurdle. And so these changes are, are definitely welcome from that perspective. In addition, we know that people want to live here. That means people also want to invest here. Um, and we need more housing that I feel like is a, a narrative that's sort of widely accepted now. We've sort of realized how much we lack in supply. Um, and so ensuring that we've still got a mechanism for these companies to come in and be able to build and provide that housing 
is really key. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, Suze, for me, I think it'll give a lot more leeway for non-Canadian uh, entities that want to invest in BC. And of course, we know that's a really good thing. You know, capital flowing into BC and investments being made in our neighborhood is a welcome prospect for all. It's been one of the best parts about Vancouver and of course the reason why we have such a strong marketplace. Um, people want to live here and that means that people want to invest here as well. Um, and the more that that can happen, both in monetary capital and in terms of cash investments um, and the intellectual capital in terms of skilled workers moving into our region, the better off our neighborhoods, communities and people will be. Well said. Uh, so we've come to the end of another edition of the Pre-Sell Pulse trending topic. That's right. You're all caught up on some of the uh, the biggest intel around the hottest trends in the local uh, real estate market. Thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to see you again next month with or without Ryan. I don't know. We'll give us some good likes and I probably will continue to be without. Thanks, guys. <laughs>